You're listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. Andy and the Rattlesnakes was dubbed one of the great lost eclectic underground rock and roll bands by the LA Weekly, and the band is still making some of the greatest music of their careers, combining their classical sound with the musical influences they have absorbed over the past three decades. In the late 70s and early 80s, Andy and the Rattlesnakes captivated L.A. music fans with their exciting live performances. Since the self-release of their first single in March 1980, a cover of Neil Diamond's Solitary Man, the Rattlesnakes have always believed in the importance of the DIY ethic. Their single, Third World Wives, was included on 1981's the DIY album Ten of America's Best New Bands. We open today's show with Last Summer to Dance, a song which one Snakes fan wrote, Last Summer to Dance made me get up and dance, literally. Put on your blue suede shoes and dig it. That fan was John Densmore of The Doors. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce today's guest, Andy and the Rattlesnakes' very own Andy Cricken. Welcome to our show, Andy. Thank you for having me, Marshall. It's good to be here. Well, good to have you here. Um, you know, I I read about the DIY album. What exactly is a, a DIY album? Well, there was a DIY album and there was a DIY movement that continues today that I think had its roots back there, uh, I mean, probably earlier than the 1970s, but really came to the forefront uh, in the mid 70s with with independent record labels and DIY for do it yourself and and not just independent record labels but but musicians artists bands releasing their own records being in control of of their own art and its distribution uh, but the DIY album it was short lived but it was an influential album because it, it had some of the uh, bands that became pretty well known after that, like Black Flag uh, and some others. So it was a great uh, honor to be on that album. But uh, so it was the beginning of what was going to be a, a record label and a magazine, but I don't think it uh, survived. Was this an extension of the Garage Band? Yes and no. I mean, Garage Bands uh, were an interesting uh Development, which was kind of a suburban movement in the in the '60s, because you know you need a garage, right, to start to to have a garage van. We came up thinking the Golden Fleece was uh, being signed by a major record label, and we had a taste of that. Uh, it also applied to hip hop or to dance music. It was about people creating their own scenes and then maybe which happened a lot with uh, indie rock and and hip-hop you know bigger uh independent record labels and radio and uh, major labels even uh, kind of taking taking them on and and trying to break them worldwide in a in a pr blurb that you had uh you had a reunion concert at trip the santa monica mirror wrote that Andy and the Rattlesnakes were one of the first Los Angeles bands to break out of the 80s new wave punk mold into a reinvention of American roots and world music, 
sharing bills with artists that included Dwight Yoakam, Lucinda Williams, The Pop, The Sheiks of Shakes, John Hyatt, The Exuma, and playing charged-up shows at Café de Grand, The Starwood, The Whiskey, Blackie's, Madame Wong's, and The O.N. Club. These were definitely eclectic artists to share a bill with. And how in turn did their eclectic audiences react to your band? Well, I think one thing that defined us, and and I think still does, as uh, and all the band members have gone on to do many different projects and many different genres, is we didn't consider ourselves one genre of music. And I think whether it was the journalists or the labels or radio, you know, throughout this new wave label that kind of was an umbrella to cover, it was after punk. So it was, it was, you know, New York bands like Talking Heads and Blondie and just Elvis Costello in England and, and Graham Parker in England. So there was, there was not really a sound to New Wave. I think it was a, I think one thing that maybe defined New Wave was just not being able to fit into one particular genre. So I think one thing that made us unique and, and for me, I, I really sought out musicians that wouldn't normally be in a band together, you know, so, uh, and would bring their influences and the guitar player was was in a country band before uh, the Rattlesnakes, and uh, the keyboard player was was more of a funk R and B person, and and the, the sax player came from uh, free jazz and avant garde jazz and Frank Zappa, and and the bass player was a solid you know, 1960s rock and roll bass player, and the drummers really brought a lot of the world beat uh, aspect to it because they they were able they were what we we mix in reggae and ska and salsa and and different rhythms that i think the drummers were key and the percussionist uh mike tempo uh all of those influences i think we absorbed them and and so there was a rattlesnake sound but um it was it could be country it could be r&b it could be soul it could be reggae because of that, we were able to kind of share bills with very eclectic artists, you know, from from John Hyatt to Black Flag. So I think that that's an interesting take, and I think I think that's one of the defining characteristics of the band is all just bringing together all these eclectic musical influences, which also didn't bode well for uh, record deals and you know an industry. Uh, you know, attention. We we got some attention for a song here and there, but they want one. You know, what is your sound? You know, and and that's that's really what they were looking so, for at the time. So I so I guess that explains for me the the difference between the opening tune that we started with last summer to dance, and you had a 1980 cover of Neil Diamond's Solitary Man, and and that received national airplay and was chosen by. L.A. Weekly's Bill Bentley as single of the month, threatening right. to drag folk rock out of the closet. I'd like our listeners to hear Solitary Man, but first, can you tell us a bit about this track? The song has been covered many times after this, but um, I believe our version you know, predates all the other more well-known versions, except for Neil Diamond's. 
of course. And and what we one of the things we like to do is to take. We would play. We were the house band at this club called the Taurus Tavern in Venice, and we would have to do three sets a night. You know, from from nine to one or two. We really loved the idea of taking a known song and changing the genre and mixing it up. So I know Bill Bentley mentioned folk rock, but there's also a punk attitude and energy, which didn't really jive with what people thought about Neil Diamond at the time. But uh, I loved the song. I I was a Neil Diamond fan. And, you know, we we did our own uh, take on it. Well, why don't we take a listen to Solitary Man? That I found her Holding Jim And loving him It's a hard time thing It's just a paper ring Solitary man, a solitary man, a solitary man, a solitary man. 
That was Solitary Man, performed by Andy and the Rattlesnakes, from the album Last Summer to Dance, Los Angeles, 1980-1981. And my guest is Andy Cricken. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right now. You're also known as Dr. Cricken, and you've done some interesting uh, things in the field of music education. Perhaps you can share some of those experiences with our listeners. After I left the band in 1980, I decided to, uh, I had been a, a college dropout and decided to go back to college, move back to New York, where I came from, uh, New Jersey, actually, and uh, went back to college, finished my I got my music degree because I had never studied music before and was exposed to, you know, I just wanted to know more about different kinds of music. And really, I learned to read music a little better and get get some of my skills together. Uh, And then I moved back again to Los Angeles and got involved with, uh, got fascinated with the immigrant community uh, from people from, from Nepal and studied, uh, learned their music and spent about a month over there, meeting musicians, recording their music. Came back to UCLA and got my master's in ethnomusicology. And then, you know, when my family moved back uh, home to New York again uh, in the early 90s, after a while, ended up teaching at Bergen Community College, and which has been incredibly rewarding, where I was able to really bring all of my experiences to, to really help shape the curriculum and and created the uh, first rock ensemble there's the first songwriting class the first world music class so it's just been it's been great it, it still is just working with students and and also i did uh, as an aside i did finish my doctorate in music education at, at nyu during the time i was teaching so i did a lot of research about uh about the early curriculum in community colleges in Los Angeles who were really the first to bring jazz and popular music uh, into the higher education curriculum back in the 1930s. So all of the academic and, and teaching experience has, has really, I think, fed into my creative life and vice versa. And I, I'm still, uh, well, we're online now. As you know, teaching remotely, but uh, well, I was yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask how this uh, coronavirus situation is affecting the curriculum. Uh, what kinds of changes have have you had to make? Well, positive and negative. I mean, what we one thing we've found is, which might have been obvious to some, but you know, the the movement towards online education seemed like it was just a train that couldn't be stopped, but Students like in-person, you know, they miss. They miss seeing their teacher and being in the classroom, particularly in the arts. That one-to-one, uh, hands-on experience is hard to replicate online. So all of our arts classes are, are being taught either remotely or, or online asynchronously. But the positive thing is I, I dabble in technology, you know, probably more than some people, but not as much as others. And I've been able to use tools and learn tools to enhance, you know, the music classes and get, you know, more electronically based music and uh, cloud-based collaboration. So there, there's things that there are definitely positive 
aspects of this whole experience is, is in the educational setting. Now, you, you've created some uh, jazz groups at college, correct? Yeah, well, when I came on, you know, it was, I was kind of a, you know, the, there were just a, a couple of us, and, you know, one thing about community, again, as you know well, as for community college teachers, you, you, you're expected to be a jack-of-all-trades, and teach music 101 and you know I took over the jazz ensemble I, I I took over the music business curriculum you know which was a even though I was an act actively in that business years before I, I didn't know all the ins and outs uh, and I had to kind of try to do that as as um, we went along so so yeah, it was it was an it's been an interesting ride there from the beginning, and you know we're still hoping to to expand after you know after we get through this pandemic and get back to the classroom because I think you know we we offer a very unique field of study which we really embrace all musical genres and try to really look at students from whatever background they're coming from and see what we could do to enhance their education and, and life experience. Well, let me go back from, from doctor to rattlesnakes, and uh, I just wanted to ask about your song, Patience. It, it was recorded for Rocket Records, which was Elton John's boutique label, and it was f- featured on the USA Network's New Wave Theater. I'd like to play that track, and perhaps you could introduce it for us. Sure, well, that, that was a key, and it still is. That's kind of, uh, I mean, every... Solitary Man did quite well and, you know, received radio play and was on the jukeboxes and kind of put us on the map. Um, but Patience was an original song that I had written that uh, still is, I think, our signature tune, which was really combining our musical influences with uh, my growing awareness of the political situation, which the band was also a part of, you know, uh, my bandmates, Paul Lax, Morley Bartnoff, Rob Hasek, Jeff Holly, we were all very interested in what was going on in the world, whether it was Central America or, or any of the, it was kind of the, on the beginning of the Reagan era. And, and we really took a lot of inspiration from what was happening in England with the clash and, you know, a lot of the reggae artists and what was called two-tone bands like UB40 and and the Specials and Selector. So it's a long-winded introduction, but I think all the that sort of formed the rattlesnake sound. You know, before that we were trying different things out, and I think that's I believe where it all came together, and everything kind of stemmed from that. Well, yeah, let's no. let's take a listen to Patience.
Patience by Andy and the Rattlesnakes from their album Last Summer to Dance, Los Angeles, 1980-1981. Andy and the Rattlesnakes disbanded in 1981, I think, but the members have continued to lead active musical lives. What are they up to nowadays? Well, that's the thing. I I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, Even though the band broke up in 1981, we've all worked together in different forms, not in one unit until you know, we recently reunited in 2012 for that show at the trip. But through those years, you know, it wasn't, we, we all stayed in touch and sometimes we would do projects together, myself and Paul, who's the guitar player, or myself and Jeff. Jeff had a band called Urban Artillery and Jeff's the sax player now living in Amsterdam and uh, has quite a active musical life there. Paul has been in all kinds of bands from country bands like Icy Hawks in LA and and uh, Double Knot Spy Car, which is kind of an instrumental band. The keyboardist Morley Bartonoff, aka Cosmo Topper, has played with really amazing artists like Stu, who wrote Passing Strange. And everybody continues to do Rob Hassock, uh, the bass player is also an accomplished uh, visual artist. Mike Tempo, the percussionist, formed a band called the Bone Daddies that did mainly Afrobeat style of music. It would take pages and pages to to list all of their 
from theater to to visual art, the Mike Temple, the percussionist, is also a visual artist. It's an incredible group of individuals that that I feel very very uh, lucky, you know, to have known and and. We're all still kicking, you know. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we've lost a, and I've lo- we've lost a, a couple former rattlesnakes. That most recently, uh, one of the early guitar players from 1979 was a guitar player, a great guitar player, Jack Sherman, who went on to be in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the drummer that you heard on that track doing really great, innovative, bringing again that world kind of beat feel to it was Andrew Campbell Hare, who passed away a couple years ago so you know we as you know it, uh, you, every time now we open the obituaries we see the passing of another you know great uh, musician and uh so we're you know we we feel lucky <laughs> to, to still be here and and you know since the reunion we we added uh, paul lacks the guitar player's younger brother john who's a great drummer who grew up hearing us play so sometimes he knows we'll be rehearsing and he knows the songs better than we do so yeah it's just uh, an incredible group of passionate artists who to this day still follow their their musical hearts well well believe it or not we have run out of time so you're only going to get about 30 seconds or so to answer this question I'm sure that after listening to some of the tracks on today's show, our listeners would like to hear more. Do you have plans for any new albums, and where can we find your music? Well, thanks for asking. The We have one new single that we recorded called Last Summer to Dance uh, that's available on all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and everywhere else. And also, we are planning on a documentary and album that we've been working on for the last almost the last decade to be released uh, as for the 40th anniversary of the band uh, in 2021. Well, I know I'm certainly looking forward to that. I'd like to close out by playing The Veil, and can you tell us in a few seconds uh, something about this track? Yeah, that's from, and this is an exclusive <laughs> to you, Marshall. This is not the final version. Uh, close to it, but we're still working on, on mixing and mastering. But uh, this is a song with all of the current band members that we've been recording since 2012 with uh, our special guest John Densmore on from The Doors on percussion. So it's all the original 1981 band members plus John plus John Lacks on drums, who's now you know, officially a member of the band. So, it, it, And it was inspired by my work in, in, in Nepal and visiting... Uh, Nepal and just you know learning about the, the music and the culture and changing my perspective on music and life. Well, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, and I hope to hear more from you real soon. So we're going to close with The Veil. Thank you, Marshall. You've been listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Radio. 